What's up, everybody? It's Wednesday evening again. Another episode of Cat Talk Wednesday. TB and VH up in here. TB, you freezing to death? What's going on up there in the field today, man? Man, it is. It's snow. It's crazy. <laughs> We're ten days away from the Derby, and it's snow. And it's 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 wild, man. You know, uh, I was just out running in seventy. I think it was seventy three yesterday and to wake up to snow that, that that's crazy that's crazy to to go from 73 to snow doesn't seem doesn't seem possible but uh, but here we are man i was wondering that same thing and i'm not trying to trying to jinx it but i was like well maybe maybe the weather's getting it all out of its system and for the first time in a long time it might actually dare I say be pretty weather for the derby if we're getting all this precipitation and, and snow and blackberry winter dogwood winter whatever winter we're in right now get it all out of your system over this next week and a half and oh my god maybe might it be decent weather for the derby that's crazy though that like you said it's probably been five to six years maybe that we've had really good early you know uh, low 70s kind of weather and sunshine. It is. It has been gritty and grimy and just gross, really, for the Derby the last few. Uh, the thing was, last year, it got moved from the first Saturday in May uh, for only the second time since 1875. It got moved to September. But had it run on the first Saturday in May, it was going to be fantastic weather. It was great. It was great weather. <laughs> But the last ones they run in, uh, in in May, oh man, it's just been it's just been bad. Now, uh, let me just say that don't stop the party, okay? We are still going to do our thing. Uh, Thunder over Louisville kicked off this past uh, Saturday, a little bit modified uh, from previous incarnations. And for those that don't know, that's the big fireworks display that kicks off uh, the Derby Festival. Uh, that's right. We do two weeks of partying, two weeks of glitz and glamour and over-the-top shenanigans for a two-minute horse race. So that's that's how we do it. One uh, week for the first minute, the second week for the second that, minute. That, that's right. That's right. So it's and, – and generally, when I say fireworks, people are like, oh, okay. But uh, – because these kinds of things are kind of fluid, but it generally is – the largest fireworks display in North America when it happens. Someplace in California, I think they go back and forth, I I, I believe. But generally speaking, it is 30 straight minutes of just, if you're on the river when it happens, it is intense. It is big. Uh, One of my favorite things is they'll have this firework waterfall that comes off the second street bridge here in town. Uh, it's fantastic. So, uh, of course, things are still modified uh, as, as far as different events. Uh, I think last time I saw there were 138 different events that take place in the two weeks to the Derby. So, uh, some of those things, again, are modified because of COVID restrictions and what have you. But we're trying to get back to normal. And... Uh, you know, as a native Louisvillian, as a native Kentuckian, I do take a, a, a semblance of pride with the show that the state and my hometown put on for the Derby. You know, uh, 
here I am sounding like I need to be on the visitors bureau. But you know, the the, the Super Bowl goes to different places every year, right? Uh, the NCAA tournament goes to different places every year. Uh, the NBA Finals, the World Series, the Stanley Cup, it depends on who's playing. But the Derby has been the Derby, has been the Derby since 1875. Let's let's that let's put that in perspective for folks. Ten years after the Civil War, there was the Kentucky Derby. Before Major League Baseball, before Lord Stanley's Cup, before the NBA, before the NFL, before boxing was a thing. That's amazing. And and so for it to be the most continu- the, the longest continuously run event in North America, that 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 means something. So I liken it to folks. I liken it to New Orleans with Mardi Gras, where year in year out, it's a party. It's a party. So I, I tell folks, if you're going to come to Louisville after the dust settles on COVID, and I hope you do, uh, come <laughs> come during the two weeks before Derby. Louisville is is at its cleanest. Louisville is at its nicest. Louisville is putting its best foot forward. So this is the time. This is the time to come, even if there's snow ten days out. That's right. That's right. Y'all be sure to follow us at Cats Talk Wednesday on Twitter. Same thing on Facebook. Give the page a like. Give the Twitter account a follow. We always having stuff about the show. Stuff about Kentucky. Um, people tweet at us about past guests. We had the little Sinbad conversation going on with Terry Jordan and others the other day. And so y'all just give us a follow, give us a like. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, also part of the BS3 Radio Network, which we're on Spreaker and various other podcast platforms. Go to BS3Radio.com and y'all can get us there. As well as see some of the other podcasts uh, that we are under the um, BS3 umbrella with. So definitely uh, check us out and we would appreciate it. And Speaking of backtracking, I'll, I got to backtrack some stuff we forgot, but y'all can backtrack to last week. We had Leah Edmond on. We'll definitely be talking Kentucky volleyball this evening. If y'all hadn't heard that conversation, TB and I had a blast talking with her, so go back and check that out uh, as well. You mentioned fireworks, man. How do you, you know, people, some people, different strokes for different folks. Everybody likes different stuff. With you being there with the greatest fireworks show in the country and they're, you know, competing with California, you know, some people are like, oh, you've seen one, you've seen them all. Do you ooh and ah every time? Or are you like, eh, I've seen one, I've seen them all. Because I can, I'm, I like, I'm in all every time I see a good fireworks. Well, the thing is, it's the Zambelli folks that that do it and and people you may not know but they're responsible for the 4th of July fireworks in Washington D.C. they do uh, New York has some kind of like these are the people right this is the Kentucky basketball of fireworks people I know it sounds crazy (laughs) but but they they bring it every single year and yes like I said with the uh, they do the which I think is just amazing every time I see it it's a I'll try to find video or a picture for the show account, but this waterfall of fireworks off the bridge every year, and every year I am in awe. Yeah, there are fireworks that make shapes. They go up, they and they make star shapes or heart shapes. I didn't even know. I don't know the physics behind it, but uh, 
there are elements that of, of course are always there where you're like oh okay but then there are just some things every now and then they just come and it's just okay uh, you know you've got like 30 straight seconds of blah, 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 blah. like I, even if you don't go to the fireworks you can hear it out by uh, where Mama B lives and we're out for those that know geography of Louisville we're out in Fern Creek which is is we are right on the line to Bullitt County. We're right to the south, so it's about 16 miles from downtown, and we can still hear it. Wow, yeah, that's that. That's, that's how big time it Yeah, that's how it tits. So it's funny because you can watch it on TV, and you know you can hear the explosions going along with what you're watching on TV if you're not down there. Uh, now this past year, or I guess I should say Saturday. Uh, the plan was for the fireworks folks to be in different places around town and kind of do like smaller fireworks in different areas of town and when I heard that I was like well that's a bad idea (laughs) because they didn't want people because usually it's about 200,000 plus people on uh, the Louisville and Indiana side of the river to watch the fireworks it's a big time event right that's it, it it's if the weather's just right it's a it's a thing so they didn't want to do that obviously covid protocol so they were going to do some smaller ones in different areas uh the only thing is if you do fireworks you need a permit for big fireworks so <laughs> the week before uh i can't remember if some news agency or some random person just kind of looked at the permits and stuff like uh, a website was like oh here are your 10 places that Zambelli has a uh, a permit for and of course it's like oh well people are going to go there so they trimmed it down they did it uh, Caesars Indiana Casino uh, just a little bit up the river from Louisville they did it there uh, did it at the fairgrounds and did it at uh, Bowman Field which is a smaller airport here in town to give different areas an opportunity to see it um, but yeah, it's 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 great. I'm a, I'm amazed every time. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, uh, because it's two hundred thousand plus people, give or take, uh, I don't do crowds like I used to, mm-hmm. and so uh, I don't like getting bumped a whole lot, which is going to happen when you're around two hundred thousand people. <laughs> you're gonna get bumped, and, and that that ain't my jam anymore, to be honest with you. Um, with my family, what we used to do was we had we had we had this worked out, Vinny. So what happens is about noon uh, they start uh, uh, air show. They've got planes of all sorts. Uh, one year they had one of the stealth bombers come through, through, but they've got all kinds of planes and stuff performers. So it's an all day event, right? A lot of people get down there five o'clock in the morning to stake their claim right there on the Great Lawn overlooking the river. Well. Way back when, uh, I worked for Chase Bank. Chase was a sponsor for like five or six years. So we had, as Chase employees, we had our own spot right there on the river. It had uh, uh, all the food came with it. It was catered, and you had real bathrooms. That's the big ah, thing. Okay, is getting some real bathrooms. Uh-huh. But as far as parking, because you know, folks may not know, my dad retired as the chief of police here in town. So there was a police parking lot 
right off 9th Street. And so we would go, we would park, easy parking, right? You can only park if you're police peoples, which we was police peoples. <laughs> and so we'd have great parking, walk a couple blocks. We're in the special area to watch the fireworks. And it was great. And so what happens is when the fireworks are going on, all the highways that crisscross through downtown Louisville are shut down. You can't you can't have people driving through a fireworks show. So, and every year there's always some letter to the editor of of the uh, to the Courier Journal, somebody that just happened, you know, somebody's just driving trying to drive home or something and has to stop for half an hour for the fireworks show, and you know they're uh, they're fussing or anything. So we had a time. Okay, fireworks are over. Let's get our stuff. Get the girls in the wagon, and we go through the crowd. And by the time we got to the to the car, to the van, that's when they would just start opening up the expressways. Well, we're right there at 9th Street on I-64. So from the end of the fireworks to home, it's maybe 30 minutes for us. And that includes walking. I'm talking about, ooh, fireworks are over. Start walking, get in the car. Because we were like the first group of cars on the expressway, so... We rolling, man. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to get these kids home, man. <laughs> because, you know, going by the streets and going by, uh, you know, trying to get 200,000 people out of one spot, it's a monumental task. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, my dad, when he was working, would talk about, you know, Derby Day and for all the different functions, what a task it is to map out traffic. Right, like you, you got to make sure streets aren't under construction, that kind of thing. So, man, there's some horror stories. You know, people would get into those uh, parking structures downtown, and man, it might be two, three hours for you get home. Yeah, that to me sounded terrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you know, (laughs) if 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 the fireworks over nine thirty, ten o'clock, I'm in my garage, ten fifteen, the girls are in bed. And then, then I'm watching the news on everybody else stuck in the traffic. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. <laughs> everybody else, everybody else claps and, and hollers one last time and mills around and then boom, log jam. And yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. So they'll have, they'll come on like, hey, if you're in a parking uh, garage, turn off your car because the carbon yeah. dioxide builds. You know, mm. you know, and people, you know, these these rookies, you say, man, it's a rookie mistake. Because people think, oh, I'm going down to this event. I got to park close. Uh, no. Because you can't get out. Because if you park close, uh, the police, they're going to let the pedestrians walk away, right? Right. Yeah. So you're, you're sitting there. So that's what I loved about uh, parking at 9th Street. Because about 1st and 2nd Street was prime viewing for us. So yeah, you walk, you walk some blocks, but man, you know, hey, hey, we had we had we had it planned, but there's all kinds of fun stuff that goes on with the Derby. Again, uh, I should be on the tur- tourism board because I love the Derby, and th- there's always this thing I think I've said before to you. It's it's a it's a love hate thing. Like I don't know of anybody in Louisville that has been pro pro Derby for their entire life. Like you, you're, you're a kid and. You learn it in school, like, hey, this is what makes Louisville special. Here's the derby. You know, I, I think it was either first or second grade. I mean, we we talk about horse racing. 
you know, it, it gets worked into the math curriculum. Let's talk about odds. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I was joking. I am not. You know, how long is a furlough? Right? It, it becomes a whole math unit. And then it's a social studies unit. We talk about the history of the derby. So it's a big, it's a big deal. And you're like, man, my, my city's awesome. And then you look at all the different parties that come around. You know, the Barnstable Brown Party, the Urban League Party. Uh, you know, all, and, and the celebrities are coming. You're like, man, this is my town. This is great. And you love it. And you, we take a field trip to the to the track, which is always great. You know, you go to the you go to Churchill Downs. And the Derby Museum opened up when I was in the second grade. And we were the first uh, school to go to it. To go to the Derby Museum when it first opened. And because uh, it, it also helps as a reminder, I went to the same school as Mitch McConnell's kids. Not to get political, oh, wow. not to get political, but that's where I went. <laughs> so as you can see, so things was different for us. <laughs> but uh, so you go, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. And the Derby Museum, I've gone with the girls. It's fantastic. They give you a history of the Derby and you get to see all the Derby winners. And it's, you know, it's 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 a thing. It's fantastic. I, I, I tell people you got to You got to see it. Because, yeah, it, down, it does sound stupid for two minutes and all this hoopla, but it, it's great, right? It's a great civics thing. And you're like, yeah. oh, this is the Derby and high school Derby. And in college, people want to come back to the Derby. You want to go to the infield. And then you reach a space where you're like, man, forget the Derby. Because I tell people, right before uh, 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 Thunder over Louisville, Ooh. get you some gas, get you some stuff, because the prices are going up. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, right, 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 right. The, 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 the clubs that used to have no cover, now you got a cover. The, cub, the clubs that always had a cover, now that cover is $20. It's a little bit different. And you're like, oh, man, I got to pay $10 for this drink? Yeah, you got to pay $10 for the drink because it's Derby Week. Like, woo, buddy. And you're like, then you get tired of it because there's all these cars from all over. And there's just people in town, right? And you're just like, ah, oh, the derby. Like, you're kind of over it. And then you have kids. <laughs> and then the kids get that fired up. And you get, you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. So when the girls were born, I, I fell back in love with the derby, seeing it through their eyes. Uh-huh. And then you're, then you're kind of right back into it because, uh, and this is all it took. Uh, my youngest, little miss, she drew out of the hat American Pharaoh. Like that, and American Fair, of course, went on to be the first Triple Crown winner in what, like, forty years or whatever it was. So she was hooked. Like she picked out, she picked out the winner, and when American Pharaoh won, couldn't tell her nothing. <laughs> like she had won some money or something, you know. Just she was on it. Same thing happened to me. First grade, nineteen eighty four Kentucky Derby, Swale won. S W A L E Swale won the Derby. Came close to uh, Secretariat's record ran a very fast derby got hurt like the next day or two and they had to put Swale down before the Preakness but I do remember I've only picked two derby winners in my lifetime one was Swale in 1984 that I just picked out of ad and the other was 2008 with Big Brown oh yeah yeah that was 
For sure. So, you had, you. You Big Brown. With Big Brown. I had I had to put money on Big Brown. <laughs> had to put money on some Big Brown because UPS yeah. jumped on board because that's when what what could Brown do for you? That's what the, I was at the peak of that uh, that advertising campaign. So oh, we were we was all in on Big Brown. Yeah. You know, I was, yeah. I was like, I gotta pick Big Brown, right? <laughs> It could have been a scrawny humpback beatdown horse. You were still riding with Big Brown. Is, I saw the name. I saw the name first, and I was like, "Oh, this horse is the actual favorite." But yeah. whatever, man. I saw the name as a possibility in one of those uh, preliminary races. I was like, "Oh, Big Brown, uh-huh. Big Brown." Okay, let me let me get let me get two nickels together and, and, and put put a little bit on that. Now you didn't get because he was a favorite. He didn't win much, but I was like, I got to put something. On uh, on that, so but again, I love the Derby. I, I, it's it's kind of pointing toward getting back to normal, whatever that means, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, with the fireworks and there's different other different events going on, uh, you know. Yeah, hey, I, and I'm back to appreciate the Derby. Like I have not actually been to the race in a few years because again, people, I, I I'm not much on people, right? <laughs> <laughs> when you gotta deal with those crowds there, that, that ain't my jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, it's a good thing. Like I said at the very jump, now that I rambled for 20 minutes, uh, I'm a fan of the Derby, both what it means culturally and economically uh, to my city and state. It's one of those things people know, right? I know a lot of sporting folks. I see it on social media, like, "Oh, the Derby, oh, pew." No, the, p- people know the Derby, right? You know, uh, world famous photographers, sports photographers have taken pictures at yep. the Derby. You know, Derby winners have been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 owners, the D. Wayne Lucas, the trainers. Uh, there's still some mystique there. Is it what it used to be? No, but you can look at viewership numbers of of just about everything and nothing's like it used to be because there's so much stuff to consume mm-hmm. but i would still say that yes the derby uh you know for for my money the 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 money shot if you will is when the horses come onto the track for the derby and they're getting ready to go and it's the louisville band but i'll let them, i'll allow it to happen and they sing my old Kentucky home. And NBC does a great job putting the Derby on. You see the people in the crowd, even the people in the infield, which, hey, I'm way too old for the infield. Let me just put it like that. Uh, <laughs> the infield, the one time I went to the infield, you can't even see a horse, right? Like, it's just a party uh, yeah. for a big chunk of the infield. And I looked up. And it was like seven o'clock. The Derby's run at like uh, like at six, little after six. I looked up. I was like, "Man, we don't miss the Derby." <laughs> but anyway, you know, you get the the, cra- the cameras painting the crowd, and uh, look, I, I know uh, my old Kentucky home a little bit, a little bit, little problematic. It's history, whatever. There's that moment where people are singing it, and it's beautiful, and the horses are beautiful. Hey. I, I don't know how you could be a Louisvillian or a Kentuckian and not feel a little bit of pride at that moment that the sports world is looking at Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Not too many cities get that. Mm-hmm. But throughout the history of the sports, 
and it's been moved around and it's been up for quite a while now but has it they have, to play have, they, have they let Kentucky do it or Western or Eastern or is it always Louisville? As far as I know, it's always been U of L's marching band hmm. that that they get out there. That's um, and there's there's like some pomp and circumstance. I know that there are Derby quote unquote princesses that do things or like I'm not 100 familiar with what the Derby princesses do to be honest with you, but I know it's it's a pretty wide. The, the court, it's 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 young ladies from different universities. Oh, okay. So Eastern, Western, Murray, Moorhead, yeah. uh, of course Louisville, uh, of course Kentucky, uh, you know, Center. You know, there are about eight or nine young ladies that fill that court that are representative of the uh, of the Commonwealth. So, um, but it's 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 a special moment. I can't even I can't even hate mm-hmm. uh, on that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just. Just take it all in, and yeah, it ain't even time to to be petty at, in that moment. Yeah, yeah, you know. It, it, now, would it be nice if the Wildcat band was playing? Absolutely, it would be nice. Yeah, because I've been to a few U of L games with my good friend Ralph, and at the end, the Louisville band will play my old Kentucky home, and I'm saying, wait, 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 wait what are y'all doing with this? This is saying my old Louisville home. What y'all doing? Oh <laughs> uh, well. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, you know, they will remind me. Well, you know, U of L was founded first. I said, well, you know, first don't mean best <laughs> <laughs> necessarily. I mean, you know, uh, but anyway, the Derby is awesome. If you're from Kentucky, I suggest if you can't come to the Derby, come to the Derby Museum at the very least, uh, because you know, also this time of year, just driving through Kentucky. Driving through Central Kentucky around Lexington, where the horse farms, man, it it mm-hmm. woo, yo, just just woo, <laughs> nothing, nothing like it, nothing like it. Um, we gotta get to the the news of the week, and and we'll get to all of it. And like I said, I got a backtrack. You might soapbox. Everybody knows how we do, especially those who've been listening. But you know, like I mentioned earlier, we had Leah Edmond on. The Kentucky volleyball team gets over that hump, breaks through, makes it to their first Final Four. They beat Purdue three straight sets. First two were a little tough and back and forth. Third set just straight up beat them down. And now they play Washington, who knocked them out in the tournament the last time there was one. And you get past them when you're playing for the championship. So it was... You know, like I, like everybody listen, I don't know all the terms, but you know, Ali Stumler was just, you know, serving up missiles and, and spiking everything in sight. Gabby Curry was digging. You know, nothing was really hitting the ground when Purdue got it over the net. Purdue's attempts at kills were getting blocked and smacked back in their faces, and Coach Skinner's squad was just doing what they do. Yeah, uh, I watched it, and again, I'm a novice at volleyball. But, I mean, they, they, Purdue got out to an early lead, like a five or six point lead in that first set. Yep. And then I, I believe, I, I, I can't remember who made this that spectacular play, like a sports center highlight type play. And from that moment on, Kentucky was in a different gear. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, uh, you know, when you're watching a basketball game and somebody makes that block, you know, 
that just that just turns it around and just change the complexion. And from that point on, Kentucky was the aggressor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know all the terms, the kills and the dick, but Kentucky just took it to Purdue, and Purdue didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. It's like and, Kentucky figured them out. <laughs> yeah. Good. And, and uh, I just know once you get to the Elite Eight level, you don't really see beatdowns quite like that. Mm-hmm. Where in, in any sport, right? You, you just don't see kind of beatdowns at that level it's like uh in the ncaa tournament elite eight games those are the tough games right elite eight games that's the only stage of the tournament where kentucky's men's team has a losing record is the elite eight uh so to see kentucky perform that well like you said the first two sets were relatively close although it was one of those things that kentucky i always i, I didn't feel like they were gonna lose uh-huh. And then that third set, man, they smelled blood in the water. And, you know, and, and God love the commentators. You know, if Purdue can string together four or five straight points, <laughs> I'm like, we're beyond that, man. Like, we, at, at some point, we're just, you get you get beyond a, a team. And, and I understand, you know, commentating a blowout has got to be the worst job. Yeah. Whatever the sport, if it's a blowout, once the game stops being interesting, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Trying to just fill the void of dead air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I challenge folks. I do this often. Uh, go back and watch some of those old Kentucky games, like the, the 41 to 7 UCLA game. <laughs> like the second, what do you talk about? Yeah. Everything except the game. But, right. Uh, <laughs> where Bill, that's where Bill Walton shines. He's in blowout mode every time he's on the air. Yeah, but Bill Walton does that stuff. If it's a, a 70-70 game with 2.1 seconds left, Bill Bill Walton going to do his thing. He's in garbage time mode all game long. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, but back to the volleyball team, I've said it for a while. Uh, over the last four years, clearly mm. the most dominant team on campus. And I, I, you know, people have pushed back. You know, what about rifle, rifle team? Absolutely, national champions. Absolutely. But I'm talking about the last four years. They've been a top five program. And I don't know if we've had outside of men's basketball. Obviously, I don't know if Kentucky's had another run like that for another team. Yeah. So, so finally getting through to the final four, and I know we're going to celebrate that, but this wasn't, and, and this is what I think one of the commentators said during the match, you know, Kentucky was the number two overall seed for a reason, right? You know, this, this is what I love to hear. This is not some plucky underdog story, right? right? Of, of Kentucky getting hot. They have been dominant kind of robbed of that tournament run last year thanks to COVID but but they're in it to win it and, and that's what I everything I've seen after the Purdue game yeah, the, the, you know Coach Skinner and, and the players have been interviewed like yeah that's great we're happy we've made history but we still got more history to make mm-hmm. right you, you want to be happy but not satisfied yeah. and they're saying and doing the right kinds of things and which is 
what we were saying to Leah Edmonds last week, conversations you and I have had before. Like, look, I get it. Football, men's basketball, that's that's what stirs the drink, right? But if if you are just watching those sports, you're missing out on so much other stuff at UK. And the volleyball team is just one more point of that. One more part of that. You know, uh, I don't know how the director's cut will shake out this year, but volleyball making it this far isn't hurting. Softball being really good isn't hurting. You know, uh, Kentucky State. So, uh, again, just a great, great performance. I'll be ready to root them on in the final four. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, I know a lot of folks are excited about it as well. Uh, you know, and I don't care that people are late to the party. Right. Just as long as you're here. I don't care. You know, if if you're just now figuring out how good these young ladies have, have, have been, that that's cool. As long as you come to the party, I don't care when you get here. That's it. That's it. Thursday night at seven o'clock, they play Washington with a, a trip to the championship match on the line. And look, this is, you know, you saw social media buzzing, like you said. Maybe it's people popping in for the first time that's been kind of late to the party. Um, but it, I just think it's, you know, with the men's team in, in basketball not making the tournament, the women's team, you know, bowed out a little sooner than everybody thought because of the, the sensational shooting for, for Caitlin Clark at Iowa. We're just used to watching tournament plays. You could see on social media, it felt like a lot of the fans just felt like that community when you're not there in person but you're watching on TV BBN was BBN was a lot of us was watching the volleyball tournament. Yeah, that that was the thing too. Uh, Again, most of us probably don't know the intricate ins and outs of strategy and and that kind of thing with volleyball. But I've always said, you know, if you're going to say in your social media bio, if you're going to thump your chest and say all cats, everything, it's got to be everything. Right. So for, for my money, I'm glad everybody is here. Uh, it, that's the good part of social media, which is why I got on Twitter in the first place. Because because my friend Chris said, "Hey man," he said, "Hey hey, you gotta, you know, during the games, get on Twitter. It's like you're watching it with a bunch of friends yeah. watching the game." I said, "Oh word," <laughs> got got on there. I was like, "Oh, this is great." So it's great for moments like that, and I like going back through you know time hop. And let me tell you, uh, I know that we talk about like rewatching the games. Like, just go to Time Hop and see your response. You know, see how people responded to like Aaron Harrison's shots. <laughs> and it's just, it's just madness, right? And there's that communal aspect to it. So, yeah, uh, I did notice that, and hopefully, we'll see it again on on Thursday. Uh, because Kentucky fans, and I give Kentucky fans some trouble. You know, yeah, I try not to be the, the the fan police, but all in all, they they'll ride pretty pretty darn good. 
for for teams. You know, I, I see people that uh, they still are tweeting about and retweeting how good like Julius Randle's doing. Like like Randy Newman of Big Blue Express is all in yeah. on being a Knicks fan. <laughs> he's he's all in on quickly in the Knicks. Mm-hmm. But but it's other people. You know, um, I see people. You know, if it's Keldon Johnson, you know, a dude that sometimes gets forgotten about, right? Which uh, he hit one of those arbitrary point marks, you know. <laughs> but the list of Spurs on whatever I forget, eight hundred points, four hundred rebounds, whatever it was, I forget the exact numbers. Yeah, it was Keldon Johnson, Tim Duncan, and David Robinson. Exactly. And I'm like, look, it, 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 if you're gonna just have one of those arbitrary numbers, that's a good list to be on. Sure is. You know, like like at the beginning of the season. You said, you know, Julius Randle's on this list. It's him and Oscar Robertson. Yep. And, and I wasn't trying to poo-poo it and say, well, you know, that's just random numbers. But look, however you configure it to get on that list, that's pretty good. Sure is. And he's he's put the Knicks on his back. They won seven in a row. They were they were sputtering and you know, still in the mix for the playoffs, but they were kind of hitting some turbulence, but now they've won seven in a row. You hit the game winner, I think, was it against the Mavericks the other night, and he's, they are squarely on his shoulders for this stretch run. So, yeah, so I see a lot of NBA people, because remember when the Knicks signed Julius and and, and folks in the NBA were kind of poo-pooing the whole deal? I don't know if you remember that part of it. Uh, that they're like, oh, that the Knicks just pay anybody, you know? And I was like, come on, man. You know, I said, Julius is good. He's just been in situations. He played on uh, the Lakers with old Kobe. And remember, he got hurt his rookie year. First yeah. game out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out in L.A. Uh, goes to the Pelicans. Has some success, I thought. But the Pelicans wanted to move in a different direction. Ends up with the uh, Knicks. And people are surprised. I'm like, this is who Julius was. Uh, We laugh a little bit about the tweak that Cal had in 2014. We laugh. uh, We don't really laugh. But we talk about Aaron Harrison shots. But that team doesn't go without Julius Randle. But that dude could ball at a high level and do whatever the team needed to do, whatever he needed to do to help the team win. And, I, you know, because Kentucky fans, we get bored sometimes. We start ranking, you know, okay, who's your best five under Cal? And, you know, I don't like that because it always ends up to sliding one of your guys, right? Like people Mm -hmm. can't just say, I'll take, now look, this is kind of my soapbox on this. Everybody's going to take Anthony Davis, okay? It's it, You almost have to say, okay, who's your starting five without Anthony Davis? Right. <clears throat> because obviously, Anthony Davis is a de facto on everybody's list. Mm-hmm. But I forget who I tweet. You know, I've done this exercise a thousand times, it seems like. <laughs> but Julius, and I'm like, go back and look at Julius's numbers. Go back and look at what Julius did. A double-double. Every night. Every night from from the jump from Michigan State all the way to UConn. Yep. Dude balled. 
And he was balling when the team wasn't even coming together. But right. once he once he changed how he played, because the when I talk about what plays kind of trigger things, like that dig that the volleyball team had the other night against Louisville during that comeback, when Aaron Aaron Harrison hit the first of the three, Julius got the ball in the post, drew the double team, was getting ready to put the ball up. And we had seen him do that play all year, right? Mm-hmm. He had been forcing it up, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, but he knew he could get this shot. But he passes out to Aaron Harrison, and that is what starts everything. It's all about trust, right? So, but Julius's play triggered that run. He was a beast. Look at those numbers. And, and, I, and I think sometimes what happens we, you know, we become championship or bust, or that 2014 team just gets it gets whittled down to Aaron Harrison's big shots, and those are great shots. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but the entire team turned the corner after that February game. Exactly. And, and so there are things that you can appreciate even if your team doesn't win a championship. Yep. Uh, because. You Talking about the Knicks real quick, and there's all kinds of Kentucky guys on the Knicks, but Nerlens Noel, I think it was against the Nets, had a block. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I put this out there. To me, Nerlens Noel is a better shot blocker than Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds crazy when you look at the numbers. I, I, I get it. But here's the thing. If you do a deep dive on the numbers, Anthony Davis had 180 blocks, 186 blocks in 40 games. Mm-hmm. That's about 4.6 per game. Nerlens had, oh, I don't have the number in front of me, but basically he only played 24 games. His blocks per game were 4.3. So he was just a shade behind blocks per game on Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. He averaged 4.3 blocks and two steals per game. Had he played just 34 games, not the full 40 to get the championship, but just played 34 games, he would have finished with 157 blocks, second to AD, all time, you know, for the single season block record. Mm-hmm. Then he would also have finished number three on the steals record. Behind Rajon Rondo. Yeah. I mean, think about Like, I know everybody, you know, the 2013 season was, we like to forget about it. We're going to put the 2021 season on that same forget about it pile. But it wasn't until I started looking at these numbers, I'm like, Nerlens Noel might have been working on the best defensive season we have ever seen. His his hands were crazy. And for for a big man, his to have active hands and get steals and to be like that, you know. I wrote a little piece. I don't even know where I was writing for, but it remind you remember Carl Malone with all because he wasn't a shot blocker. He was always stripping balls and getting his hands on the ball before dudes got up for a shot and yeah. elevated over him. Nerlens had that and insane shot blocking ability. I mean, if you if you got the shot up, well, he still can block it. If he didn't strip you. He can easily swat it as well. It was it was uncanny, right? 
and so when you look at the numbers and you think about how he played, because in, in contrast, Anthony Davis averaged 1.3 steals, which isn't bad, right? That's not a bad number. But Nerlens was over two, yeah. and I'll just say that Nerlens didn't have help on the back line. Can I just say that? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, with, with AD, you, you if you've got Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <laughs> <laughs> on the perimeter, who was an elite collegiate defender, and you've got Terrence Jones, who is one of those guys that kind of gets left in the shuffle a little bit when we talk about really good Cal guys. You know that helps you be Anthony Davis, right? But <laughs> when you're Nerlens and you've got Rest Ryan and Harrow, Willie, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got Ryan Harrow and Julius Mays, who I love, uh-huh. right? and and Archie Goodwin. That ain't the same kind of defender, right? So there was more pressure on Nerlens, and he he met the challenge. Yeah, Cal Wilcher, he had yeah. a freshman Willie Colley Stein, Alex Poitras. That uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know he it, and I always say without Nerlens getting hurt, that team makes a tournament. And if he turns in one of those seven eight block performances, which he was capable of doing. That can get Kentucky a win. Exactly. You you talk about him him being a shade under AD. There's no doubt he he easily could have. I mean, not saying he would have another twelve block game. But he easily could have had another eight block game because Isaiah Jackson. I think he had eight early, one of his first games earlier in the season. And I was wondering if he would kind of be spurty and just rack up a bunch of blocks like that. Because I'm like, is this because they kept comparing him to Nerlens. And Nerlens would just drop six, eight blocks a game like it was nothing. And I kept waiting to see if Isaiah Jackson would do that. He never did get to that level. It's just, you know, cranking him out like that. So yeah, if Nerlens stays healthy, he he has he has several five, six block games. We you can just book it. The the thing about Isaiah Jackson is he was his blocks, and I I, I don't know this advanced metric, but his block rate. I, I don't understand, and I'm not trying to say those guys are nerds. I don't get what block rate means, mm-hmm. but he was equivalent to AD and Nerlens. Mm-hmm. What he was worse at was fouls. Yeah, he just he fouled a lot. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about what Nerlens did? Being the, really the only defensive dude protecting the rim, just ma- magnificent. I yeah. mean, look, we can rank Kentucky performances. You know, Jody Meeks is 54, right? We 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 can remember individual moments. Uh, of course, Aaron Harrison's shots and, and Rex's dunk and, and, and that kind of stuff. But I don't know if I've been just more kind of in awe than when Nerlens went for 12 against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Because like most of us, I'm watching, he's got four fouls, I'm like, and Cal's got to play him. Where else do you go, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, he turns into Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I, I challenge folks, find these games on YouTube. Rewatch them. I, I enjoy that kind of thing. Because one thing to see, oh, he had 12 blocks with four fouls. Oh, okay. And kind of be like, eh, it wasn't too bad. You know, like, we can just see the numbers on the sheet. But you can see, and again, I've watched it. Once he gets to block number six, it changes everything. 
because mm-hmm. I think it's the fifth or sixth block he got to, like he gets beat. Like you said, like he would be really good about getting, you know, before you got the ball up. He gets beat, recovers, and it's a clean block. And the look on the old Mrs. Uh, dude's face is just like, how did he get that? Like we've all played basketball, right? Where you think you're open and you go up and somebody comes out of nowhere and you get your stuff smacked. Yeah. And you're like, where'd that dude come from? Uh-huh. And he's blocking these shots. He's keeping the ball in play. And the team just fed off of it. Now, you know, I don't, you know, I, I think momentum gets a lot of, it's one of the, it's that one of those sports isms that gets thrown out. But it's absolutely true. And this is where some of those analytic guys, uh, I think, where they fall short. If you look up, right, and you got somebody that makes a play like that, it infuses your team. Again, going back to Kentucky volleyball, uh, that dig led to a Kentucky point, and it's like it just triggered something. Mm -hmm. Like there's something about sports where all of a sudden somebody decides to play at their absolute best and the team goes for a ride right we we've all seen it uh you know i'm a lakers fan there's there's been a lot of games where you know you know kobe's gonna be kobe right but then there's that rare time where even kobe becomes like what what am i watching what what am i what you know what am i watching right you know we've all seen those moments where even the great ones step it up and the team just go for a ride yeah and, and basketball, one player can make that difference. Now, like I said, could Nerlens have carried the team to the 2013 title? No. Or Final Four? No. Because you do need some other dudes. <laughs> but, but could they have snuck in and stole a first-round game? Probably. No. Maybe a second-round game? Probably. You know, I know we're all talking about, you know, hypotheticals and everything like that, but I don't think that's that far out of the out of the out of the uh, out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. because people need to remember the Cats were actually playing pretty well when Nerlens got hurt yep. they were in the game at Florida when Nerlens got hurt sure were they had finally figured out like okay uh, like again you and I played basketball not at a high level but if you know you got a shot blocker back there it changes the way you play defense right And even mediocre defenders, which, you know, the guys we named, I would say were mediocre or just young. Like, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein, he's on the single season block list, top five, not as a freshman, though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But if you got a dude on the block back line that can eliminate mistakes, you can play things differently. Right. You can push up on guys because, you know, you got. You know, I always liken this to that scene from the Avengers where Loki's like, look, I got an army and I got this, that, and the other. And Tony Stark says, we got a Hulk. Like, if, if you got AZ Davis on the back line, that's different, man. That's just different. Because mm-hmm. you and I talk about it's not just the shots that you block. It's not even the shots that you alter. It's dude, stop coming into the paint. And that, to me was Anthony Davis's biggest thing was I'm surprised he got that many blocks because that many people tried him. Right. <laughs> and there was uh, classic sports a year or so ago ran some random Kentucky game. It was the South Carolina game from that 2012 season. 
And I'm like, why are they even showing this? This is, you know, nothing really happened. But Anthony Davis blocks this shot with like his elbow. And the look on his face is just, he, he was offended that this dude drove in and that was the best he could offer. Like he was just, he was offended that you would come in there. Give me those kinds of shot blockers. Give, mm-hmm. get, you know, uh, I always talk about uh, Patrick Ewan at Georgetown. He was a monster, right? Mm-hmm. This is when you and I were first kind of figuring out what's going on, you know, but he was a monster. And John Thompson, late great John Thompson said, go get you one. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's a goal 10, just go up and get it. <laughs> Yo. Because now as a shot blocker, you have put that in people's minds. People don't go as deep, right? So, uh, all that to say, even in a bad season, even in a season that doesn't in a championship, you can find little nuggets of, man, like Nerlens was better than we thought. Because his numbers don't look great because he only played 24 games. Mm-hmm. It was a forgettable season for the yeah. most part. But then you're like, wow, because remember, he played really well against Louisville that year. And Louisville only won by three, and that's your national champion. Exactly. Because Nerland's got some help because Archie Goodwin decided to be good Archie for 40 minutes. And they almost beat the Cardinals in uh, in the Yum Center. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's not far-fetched to think, okay, if Archie can good it, if, if, if AP can do you a little something, then Nerlens being Nerlens, yeah, he's probably good for a win or two in the tournament. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now, this little something, something that's happened right before the show started. And look, as far as all the transfer portal stuff, fans are going to be all suspenseful and, and up in arms and worried and, and been out of shape until the roster fills itself out. Look, it's look. It's gonna happen. They'll get here when they get here. Kentucky will add who they're gonna add. They'll reach out to who they're gonna get. It's all gonna fall in place. Now, I'm not telling you how to fan, but a lot of fans are gonna worry and be anxious until they see how it shakes out. You know, Mints and Brooks will make a decision, and you know, it'll all be in place by the time the next season starts. But <clears throat> according to Matt Jones and Kyle Tucker and all those who have sources, there's there's gonna be some changes on the staff. Changes are coming. Matt Jones tweets out tweets out that Tony Barbie has removed the UK logo from his Twitter profile. Kyle Tucker says about an hour ago there definitely are multiple major moves coming for Kentucky's basketball coaching staff between all the recruits, transfers, and staff shakeup. This spring amounts to a major program reboot for John Calipari and then you know everybody's on Twitter and, and pays attention to all that like Justin Rowland says I don't see how you do it because I don't either but Joe Justice has taken away the profile pic of himself on the sideline and has put up a picture of just him and his girlfriend so everybody's reading the tea leaves I'm not saying nothing is, isn't going to happen but everybody's reading on who might be leaving is it Barbie is it Justice but according to these fellas that there is going to be some some staff shakeup in addition to the changes in the roster construction that we see every year. Well, we, this is what we wanted to see, right? When you have a, a historically bad season, 
there's got to be shakeup. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the the writing is is on the wall. Uh, I've never been, and I don't think you've been. You know, the fire cow brigade, but you got to have some shakeup. Yep. If nothing else, then to say, look, we can't do what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't stress too much about it, but. This is the this is an appropriate response. If yep. you have a, a nine win season, that's unacceptable, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, again, I've not been a negative Nancy. Is that it? Negative Nelly or whatever? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people. But this, this is what you expect, right? If you really if reevaluating and, and soul searching and, and taking a look at everything, <laughs> yeah. That, you know everything is on the table, right? And I would say that you know, uh, look, I never want people to be out of a job. I, I think, uh, for the most part, especially if these assistants, you know, they're doing the best they can, right? So I, I don't root for anybody to lose a job. Let me be clear that that is always a little unseemly to me, you know. Uh, unless it, you know, it's a situation like Jason Garrett for your Cowboys, where you're like, okay, at some point, <laughs> what are we doing, right? You know. Uh, but I think if you come to Kentucky, whatever your capacity is, uh, you got to understand, hey, this is not the spot where it's okay to be mediocre. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means, this ain't that spot. So whatever the the coaching uh, situation looks like next year, I know that we're not going to get a repeat of this past season. We have yeah. seen uh, the roster moves being different. Uh, you know, Kentucky's being whispered uh, for a lot of different folks uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, unfortunately, folks don't like it, but that's the way you build your roster now. Mm-hmm. You have to recruit. You have to hit the transfer portal. That's why Roy Williams said, "Look, I'm out. I can't. I ain't doing this." Yo, which is fine, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, to me, it's just another challenge to say, "Look, for Cal to say, look, I conquered one and done. Let me figure this new thing out." Mm-hmm. Now, will he do it for five or six more years? I don't know, but he ain't going out like that. Mm-hmm. So whatever it takes to get Kentucky back on track, hey, you, you got to do it. And if that means there's a roster shakeup, and I'm looking at Twitter now, people trying to read tea leaves, but right, <laughs> I, I, I've got I've got other things, yeah, to to, 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 to worry about. Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to move. I'm trying to I got other things I'm worried about uh, versus trying to whether or not Kentucky basketball is going to be good. Mm-hmm. That's it. And this look, there's several Kentucky Iowa connections on this show. The first one being you and your fiance, but her being from Iowa, we you know, the women's team they lost to Iowa in the tournament, you know, because Caitlin Clark shot the lights out. Now CJ Frederick, which I don't, you know. Whoever comes, like I said, it'll all shake itself out. But C.J. Frederick played for Iowa from Alexandria, Kentucky, in northern Kentucky. 
He entered the transfer portal. Um, the Iowa fans are upset about it. Maybe he comes to Kentucky. Apparently, Kentucky has reached out to him. My question, just with the Kentucky-Iowa connection, that's another one. And, you know, in addition to you and Katie and... Yes, he did Frederick. Maybe comes to Kentucky. Maybe he doesn't. But what? How does? How does Iowa identify themselves? You, you know, we got the UK, Kansas is KU, and and don't mess that up. Everybody from Kansas knows we're KU, we're UK. Indiana is IU. Is is Iowa you? I I of you. You of I. How do, what do they even call themselves? They Iowa? just they, they just they just say Iowa because it's short enough just to say Iowa. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just Iowa. Okay. Uh, and it's and it's go Hawks. It's not Hawkeyes. Their 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 cheers are go Hawks. Okay. Because uh, it's Herbie Herbie. You know, I forget the mascot, but uh, it's her. And, and and here's the thing about that. Because uh, the other day, you know, with this whole CJ Frederick thing, I'm on the Twitter streets, and I see somebody say, "Oh, these Iowa fans are at it," and I'm like, well, "What are you talking about? I haven't. What do you? Oh, well, here, you know, CJ Frederick. Uh, at that point, I don't even know if he'd actually put his name in the transfer portal. It's one of those things that people were just talking about, and I was like, "Oh." And you know, the the, the Twitter user was nice enough to provide. There's some Iowa fans, of course, upset. Uh-huh. And I said, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, all right." Uh, and then, you know, I saw some other people say, "Well, you know, Iowa fans." Dot 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 dot. And I said, "Oh, word." Now look, uh, I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm a Kentucky guy, right? I understand Kentucky and Louisville. That's a rivalry, right? There's going to be trash talk back and forth, right? I get that. Uh, I get trash talking Tennessee, which I have done. Which, honestly, uh, as I said, I think a couple of weeks ago, I don't trash talk Tennessee. I just like to point out things about their men's basketball program. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've been to eight Sweet Sixteens. We've got eight championships. That's a fact. Like you can get mad about what I'm doing and dunking on people. That's just a fact, man. That's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's. I think it's fair to say if Cal had Rick Barnes' resume here in Lexington, he would have been gone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me just put it like that. Uh, I think it's fair to say that that Drake University in Des Moines City, Iowa, has been to one Final Four and three Elite Eights, and that's more than Tennessee's men's team has been to. Those are just facts, and you can't get mad at facts. That's right. right? To, to quote Kevin Bacon from A Few Good Men, these are the facts, and they're unassailable. Right? We all just agree to that. Uh but for whatever reason, and I know you've seen it, Kentucky fans have taken a lot of glee in trash talking the University of Memphis. Every time Memphis loses, there's some glee to that. Okay, I, I guess. But then it's, well, you know, Memphis fans. Okay, well, let me stop you right there. Okay. Uh, you know, my beloved mother, Mama B, graduated from Memphis State University. Okay, I got folks down there. What what are we doing? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And so now these same people that have been talking about Memphis are now Iowa fans. This, that, and the other. Look, man, I don't. 
I scroll through, I scroll past a lot of stuff on Twitter. But if you go get my Twitter feed and tell me Iowa fans are this and Memphis fans, Memphis fans are this, <laughs> now you and I got a problem. Yeah. When you say to me all Memphis fans suck, for real? Now you talk about my mama. Uh, now you're like all Iowa fans are crazy. Now that's my woman. Like I don't know what, how you grew up, but them are the two things that get a man ready to fight. Yep. <laughs> you know, I will let people get on my Twitter page for a little bit. All oh, you Kentucky fans, blah 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 blah. Let it roll right off my back. Mm-hmm. But you, but but folks out here tripping on my mom and my woman. And I had somebody, well, Iowa fans are upset because C.J. Frederick, you know, he, he's going to come to Kentucky. Uh, I said, yeah, I get it. Look, Iowa had Luca Garza, best player in the country probably the last two seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And Iowa had one of their best regular seasons they've ever had. Nope. Now Garza is leaving, and C.J. Frederick, who is a key contributor, is leaving. Yeah, you'd be mad. Mm-hmm. It would be uh, if you if, to put it into terms, it it would be uh, you know a few years ago, Lynn Boat does everything for Kentucky. We go to the bowl game, we win the bowl game. The transfer situation is what it is, and he goes to Alabama. Right. You you'd be mad too, uh-huh. because from the Iowa perspective, it's like, look, y'all are Kentucky. What are you doing? We can't have nothing. Yeah, I mean that—that—that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Uh, so which is why I changed my profile. Look, I'm a Kentucky dude through and through. I got my bona fides right. But am I going to support Memphis? Uh, don't you support where mom went to school? Yeah, yeah, I'm supporting Memphis. I'm also going to support Iowa because that—that—that's—that's that's where my lady is, right? So yeah, I'm going to support those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, when it comes to Iowa, and then I had somebody, well, what does Iowa even do sports? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, Luca Garza was men's national player of the year. Caitlin Clark was uh, freshman of the year, tied with Paige Beckers from QCon. Uh, oh, and the Iowa women put our women out of the tournament. Yep. Okay. Well, do they even do sports? Look. Okay. I know people don't around here don't care because I don't know of any Kentucky schools that have a wrestling program. But in certain areas of the country, wrestling is huge. In Iowa, Vinny, it's huge. The Iowa wrestling team just won the 2021 National Championship, NCAA. That is number 24. The Iowa wrestling team is the most decorated athletic team in NCAA history. Period. Do you do you know how at Rupp Arena we famously don't put up anything short of a Final Four? Mm-hmm. At Iowa, they don't display their NCAA runner-up trophies. That what now? They don't even that you get a trophy if you're the NCAA runner-up. They don't even have them on display. Oh wow. <laughs> they don't display their Big Ten championships when you go to the. Iowa wrestling facility is the national championships and that's it. That's what their goal is. Wow. So you can say to me, well, you know, Iowa basketball is not very good. Okay. 
You don't know AC Earl? Okay. You're not rocking with BJ Armstrong? Okay. I get it. Right? Okay. Iowa hasn't been to a Final Four since 1980. Cool. But don't say, well, they, do they even sport? Yeah. They do sport better than anybody else. <laughs> they sure do. I don't care if you're Alabama football, UCLA basketball, uh, UConn women's basketball, Tennessee women's basketball, uh, Stanford swimming. I don't care if you're Oregon track. No athletic program has more NCAA championships than Iowa. Wow. And at one stretch, they won like 15 in a row. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Like, <laughs> so, okay, you can say to me, hey, they don't know basketball. We say, do they even sport? Uh, yeah, better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm not out here trying to pick fights on the streets. But if you come to my mentions talking about Iowa this, Memphis that, I'm going to come back at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yep. But, yep. Uh, but I, so I, I get it. I mean, because Iowa basketball is going to be forgettable next year. Right? Like, like that's just that's just how they operate. Mm-hmm. And they and they know that. You know, uh, none of these Iowa people that are upset about this kid is even tra- – I haven't even seen where it's official that he's transferred to Kentucky. I just heard yeah. people talking about it. Yeah, like Kentucky – I think reached out to him. That's it. Right. So I haven't heard anything, uh, you know, definite. But I can understand why Iowa fans would be mad yeah. or upset. Yeah. Because if you flip it around, we would be too. You know, if Sidney McLaughlin, who set some record here recently and may end up being the most decorated athlete from UK, uh, if she had yeah. her great season and then transferred to you know, I guess I guess Oregon track, right? You you be mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, and, and look, the, the folks at Iowa ain't trying to bother nobody. They ain't trying like they ain't trying to fuss at nobody. They're not coming out like Tennessee fans, right? Tennessee fans deserve all of our ire, right? They deserve it. They get it. <laughs> and I'm gonna remind them that they have only been to one Elite Eight. Okay, I'm gonna remind them of that fact. But come on, y'all. Like, like, leave Iowa alone when it comes to basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just mind their own business. And it is going to be a big step back. So, yeah, they, it wouldn't matter, you know, who reached out to Frederick. They were going to be upset that he's, he's leaving. But because they're going to go back to, you know, because I just looked for myself and, and they haven't been to a Sweet 16 since the 90s. Man. As far as they've gone, uh, if you remember, I think it was 01, uh, Tayshawn Prince put up, it wasn't the Tulsa game, but I think it was maybe the next game and, and beat Iowa. And I think that was the last time that Kentucky and Iowa actually played. So, uh, you know, they're not trying to be Kentucky. They know, right? They know. They just know that, like, look, man. And they feel bad because they didn't even make it to the second round this year. Yeah, sure so, did. So, so think about that. Your best team ever. You know, they dropped some regular season games. What hurt them was getting they got pretty much boat raced by Gonzaga, and that really set them back a little bit. They dropped a game to Indiana. They dropped a game to uh, you know some other kind of bottom big Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, that set them back. 
know? And so you, you, they went in with high hopes with the National Player of the Year, and you don't even make it to the second round. That's right. And they haven't even won the Big Ten uh, in forever. Like I was just looking, like, oh my goodness. Like I knew Iowa was not men's bat, but like it's 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 pretty bad. So yeah, they're a little they're a little sore, man. Mm. They're a little sore, and I get it. I get it. But Kentucky fans, we don't need to punch down. Right. You know, that that's my thing with Kentucky fans is, look, you don't need to get on the internet and tell Iowa fans their team's not historically as good as Kentucky. Everybody knows it. What are you doing? Nope. Keep it moving. But like I said, Tennessee fans, look, man, y'all got to take these facts because they're not jokes. They're just facts. They're just facts. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they sure are. They sure are. I gotta backtrack a couple, couple of things. You know, some stuff we don't get to, and some stuff we go back and get. First of all, real quick on on the, on the boys and girls sweet sixteen. On, on the boys side, we all know that's the that's the high school the late great Jerry Lorenzen went to. They they made a run to the sweet sixteen back when he was playing basketball. You know, him and Derek Smith. Didn't win it, but this year they get there and they win it. Uh, on the girls' side, Sacred Heart from Louisville yeah. wins the state championship for the girls. You mentioned how, and this is everybody, you know, everybody comes together as BBN when you're wanting to beat Tennessee on Saturday. But on Friday, everybody is rooting for their region and county and that's what it is in the state tournament. You know, I was pulling for the 13th region. You were pulling for the Louisville schools. You know, Northern Kentucky people pulling for Ashland teams and teams out of Covington. Same thing for Paducah and Murray. And Highlands comes out on top for the boys. Sacred Heart comes on out on top for the girls. So congratulations to both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sacred Heart, that's a, a rival to uh, Big Mrs. School. Uh it's still weird for me to process she's in high school. Let me just let me just be clear about that. You know, <laughs> I know you saw that picture I posted the other day and, and my girls are they're young women. Like I just I'm floored. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> I could spend the next hour talking about that. But um, yeah, but Sacred Heart has had some has had some success and, and I'm glad that they won. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't really keep up with high school sports. And basically, it's because Seneca's not very good at anything. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not shading my own school. Like, I know those kids, they work hard, they play hard, but, you know, the, the, the wins and losses just aren't there. And, and uh, so I just, I don't get into it because my team was never in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this, even when I played, <laughs> you know, I could even when I was in high school, I couldn't get into it. Uh, <laughs> You know, because when I wrestled, we were a top 10 team in the state most of my time. But, you know, nobody really cares about wrestling. So, you know, when we were going off the state, wasn't nobody, wasn't no pep rallies for us. We just, you might get a mention on the announcements. Right. <laughs> you, 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 you might, you might, you might get that. And so, uh, I just, I, I'm not really into high school sports, but congratulations to the basketball. I'm glad that they were able to get the tournament. Those kids really, really uh, deserved it. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad they got to, to run it. And, and friend of the show, Kayla, 
uh, Van Hoos and JR Van Hoos with what they do with the Bluegrass Sports uh, social media platform. They really work hard letting those young people shine. So tip of the tip of the cap to them. Yeah, that's why I was I would go to her account. I don't you know, not a state is harder, but keeping up with each region and who's doing this and who's doing that. But once it's tournament time, I go straight to their account and I retweeted every score from every final boys and girls from their account because they would have a score. Sometimes you'd have JR doing a little commentary on the end. One time it was JR and Larry Vault talking a little bit at the end. So yeah, they they are on top of all of it. Yeah, yeah. So definitely probably should have gave them a little little nudge before the tournament started, but uh, they do fantastic work uh, for all the sports. But particularly, you know, JR, former Mr. Basketball, they are very, very passionate about high school sports in the eastern part of the state and overall, which I which I think is is uh, definitely uh, fantastic. It looks like Orlando Antigua is going to be making the return back to Lexington. We all familiar with him. Uh, he left for Illinois, and I forget where else he went. Central well, he coached in South Florida. South Florida, yeah. That didn't go great. Yes, and and so ended up at Illinois. But having him back in the in the fold uh, is fantastic. So Illinois fans might be mad. Yeah, now, well, I mean, you know. Now yeah. let me tell you about now. Illinois fans, look, I'll go toe to toe with Illinois fans. Number one, Illinois is not the land of Lincoln. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States, born Hodgeville, Kentucky. Uh-huh. Ain't no land of Lincoln. I got a lot of bone to pick with Illinois, and yes. I pronounce the S because they stole Lincoln. That's why I pronounce the S on Illinois. Uh-huh. Illinois' only saving grace is they got Chicago. And like three of my top 20 movies are set in Chicago. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm. uh, The Blues Brothers, Adventures mm. in Babysitting. Wow, okay. Chicago's my favorite movie city, right? But outside of that, <laughs> I, I, uh, because, and I saw this tweet from somebody, because now that I'm on Cubs Twitter, I follow a lot of Cubs fans, a lot of Illinois fans. And I think they had a player that was might going to transfer that Kentucky had interest in. And I don't know. I don't keep up with all this drama. It, it, this is like the bachelor for college basketball. I'm not here for this. Just, uh. I just want to watch the games. But anyway, this Illinois fan account was basically saying, uh, you know, this kid had told Kentucky no, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, look, the downside to this season is now Illinois fans feel chested. And Illinois is only good every 16 years. <laughs> yeah. Illinois was good this year. Right? They were good in 2005 with, with D. Brown. And, and Darren uh, Williams. Darren Williams. <laughs> right? And then they were good in 1989 with Kendall Kill. Wow. Fact. Right. Yeah. Go back and look. That's the only time <laughs> Illinois has ever been good. That's it. Yeah. Yo. I said, I'm not going to be trash talked by a fan base that's good every sweet 16 years. That's it. And still can't get the job done. Get out of my face. Was Nick Nick, Nick Anderson go there? Yes. Yes. Nick, yeah. But Nick Anderson him was him with Kendall, Kendall Gill. Yeah, him and Kendall together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> they had that run to the final four, I believe. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. 
But poor Nick Anderson, every man. Sixteen years, hilarious. <laughs> every, every time I see or hear Nick Anderson, man, look, I, we talk about plays that that kind of propel teams. Them free throws crushed him. I, I couldn't feel sorry for him, of course. I could. I know you, but like in real time, watching that game, game one, ninety-five finals. He all he got to do is hit one. Yes. This is the two. They get the ball back. He gets fouled again. Mm-hmm. And, and he was never the same after that. Nope. Like a golfer that chokes in the Masters or something. Or, or like, uh, remember Chuck Knobloch that played second base for the Twins and the Yankees? The, why you got to bring him up? But yeah. He, and, you know. and, and, but lost the ability to throw from second to first. Yes. <laughs> like, just, just. Yes. It, just weird. You can't even wrap your mind around that. Yeah. Just, just throw it over there, man. But you yeah. You know. <laughs> or like uh, Rick Ankeel for the Cardinals. He was a pitcher that just simply stopped being able to pitch and then came back as a regular as a regular player. Which, yeah. You know, so. I mean, but yeah. yourself, man. Yeah. But, 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 man, Nick Anderson. So, anyway. Illinois fans, calm it down. You stole Lincoln. We good. We yeah. good. You know, and I actually, I kind of like this uh, when it comes to the transfer portal because I think it's going to help the blue. Look, I hate this season because everybody was dumping on the blue bloods, right? Mm-hmm. No Kentucky, no Duke, Carolinas, nothing. You know, no blue bloods. And then, of course, UCLA whatever but <laughs> you know everybody congrats I, to Johnny for going pro too so. yeah <laughs> I like this transfer portal where Coach K Coach Cal Bill Self you know like look we just gonna come take who we want off your roster <laughs> I like it you know I, look <laughs> all that mess y'all talking about college basketball's changed nah son one year nah this it, it ain't changing it ain't changing you know, so I do like that aspect of Kentucky being able to just to pluck kids off other teams' rosters. Sign me up for that. More of that, please. Uh-huh. Exactly. I tried to yeah, and this is I meant to mention it last week and forgot, but the uh Mark Blank and Baker, U of L share of fifty. Well, first of all, we're not huge recruiting guys, but Gavin Wimsett from Owensboro, really good quarterback. A lot of, you know, the talent in Kentucky is getting better. Kentucky has gotten some in-state quarterbacks with Bo Allen, uh, Kaya Sharon from Somerset. But anyway, they wanted this Wimson kid as well. It came down to Rutgers in Kentucky. He he commits to Rutgers. Fine. Wish him the best. Wish he could have got him. Hey, it didn't work out. But, you know, hope he has a good career up there in Rutgers. Mark Blankenbaker, U of L Sheriff 50, quotes Gavin Wimson's tweet where he says committed and then he has Rutgers logo or whatever he had. Blankenbaker says Greg Shiano came into Owensboro and got Gavin Wimson. The state teams better have a plan at quarterback. And the big dog, Vince Merrow, you know, because he and them Twitter streets too. And he, he responds and replies directly to the sh- we always have a plan. Okay. And, you know, 
Because, you know, Vince, Vince ain't bagging down for nobody. And but the dumb part to me, Blankenbaker replies back to Vince and says, you can always change a wide receiver to a quarterback, you know, insinuating Lynn Bowden. That dude beat you to death playing quarterback. Beat your cards to a pump with that wide receiver. So what? That's not even a comeback. That's that Look, is. Yeah. I think there were so, Louisville fans. Louisville fans were like, "Dude, you need to sit this one out." I mean, why would you even come back with that? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> look, uh, I- I'll be honest with you. A lot of Louisville folks don't think Satterfield is the guy. Like, yeah, he he won Coach of the Year year one. The team regressed. The fact that he was out here on these streets really cozying up to all these open jobs and uh, you know Banner Society they cover college football and there was an article about you know a week by week when coaches might get fired and Scott Satterfield's name's on that list <laughs> and so look I, I just uh, I know right now the rankings for the 2022 class with these commitments and all this kind of stuff uh Kentucky's top 10 in the country. Now, that you take that, not with just a grain of salt, a pound of salt, right? Because I don't see Alabama's name anywhere. Like, Clemson ain't on the list. So, you know, they're, they're going to come get their people. So, Kentucky's going to finish not in the top 10, okay? I'm not being crazy. Here's the thing. Louisville doesn't have any recruits in that class. None. Not a name. Not one. Mm-mm. Not one. Okay, so uh, they can trash talk all they want to. Uh, you know, uh, Vince had a quote talking something about you know Kentucky's being on the same level with Alabama and Ohio State. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Every coach says crazy stuff, right? <laughs> but of course, the Louisville fans are having fun. And I wanted to tweet it out, but I was like, no, because I don't want to deal with this on the Twitter, but can we finally admit that Kentucky and Louisville are rivals? Can we admit that? And because they are rivals, everybody knows what the other one's doing. Uh My my biggest complaint with Louisville fans and all this is that they, they, not all of them, let me be very clear, not all of them, but they like to sit on this high horse that they're above uh, getting involved in these types of things like this but the only people I saw tweeting about the Vince Merrill quote were Louisville fans yeah. <laughs> that's the only way I saw it uh-huh. I didn't see Justin Rowland say much about it I didn't see the KSR guy say much about it I didn't see Randy at Big Blue Express I didn't see my man Sean Smith at Go Big Blue Country talk about it the only way I saw it on my timeline was Louisville people Yo. And look, my whole exactly what you said though. The comebacks don't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, well, how about the time you killed us with a receiver playing quarterback? Yeah, how about that? I mean, come on, dude. I mean, what? <laughs> and and that dude. Look, this is another thing about a lot of Louisville fans. No matter the sport. 
Kentucky has never beat Louisville straight up. Never. It's always something. It's always something. <laughs> right. It's it's uh when 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 Kentucky beat a little couple years ago by thirty, the Shade Gilders Alexander team always had an interim coach. Okay. Oh, Mac was in his first year. Oh, okay. It's always something. Uh, you know, in twenty twelve, beat them regular season final four. Oh, because y'all had Anthony Davis. Yeah, that's usually the way it works. Wow. Like, you usually have the, the whole, you know, I had to explain to people. See, part of your college thing is you go out, you recruit kids to come play for you, and then they play for you. Exactly. Are we still there? We lost TB. We have to get him back. But you're yeah, talking about how. The Louisville fans are just coming up with stuff to, to justify or take the sting away from losing to Kentucky all the time. You know, it is what it is. I'm trying to get TB reconnected, hopefully. Um, and while you're at it, Randy Newman, Big Blue Express, friend of the show, is having a field day. There we go. We got got a connection back. You there, TV? I'm here. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you were talking about little fans justifying or finding a way to take the sting out of losing to Kentucky because they lose to Kentucky all the time. Instead of just saying they beat us, they they got to twist it up. And 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 then you know you beat them. Oh, that was Bobby Petrino his last year. Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Oh, you know, that's Satterfield, his first year. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, we had Cragthorpe. That's why we lost. Yeah, or, you know, well, you know, that was the worst game Lamar's ever played. And I'm like, dude, y'all was 30-point favorites with the Heisman Trophy winner. What are you talking about? Yep. But but it's always something. It's, it's, it's UK cheats. And look, I'll be honest with you. I think most Kentucky fans will just tell you, hey, Louisville was better. Like, we hate losing to them. You know, now I do say that when Louisville wins in men's basketball, it's always by one possession. It's by three points. (laughs) You know, and, and it's generally two of the three losses under Cal have been to the worst teams that we've ever put on the court. I think that's factual. Mm-hmm. This year and uh, 2013 and the 2017 team, the worst thing for that one was Malik Monk went for 47 the uh, game before against North Carolina. Yeah. Because, brother, they had nobody that could guard Bam out of bio. Have you seen Bam just blowing up? Yes. Louisville had nobody that could check him. And then when Crunch Time came, Malik Monk said, I'm going to try to get these 47 in the last 10 minutes, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there inside the ups, and they're like, feed Bam the ball. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, but it's always something. It's always something. Or it's, uh, I'm trying to remember, you know, the 2014 game. Remember, Louisville got out to like a 21 to like six. They jumped on the Cavs early. 
Yep. That game, because I it, I'm watching that game at my former in-laws house. I'm like, well, you know, I look. They they redeemed themselves. They they came close to SEC tournament. You, you beat Wichita State. Okay, it's house money. You know, we beat Louisville in 2012. They're going to beat us in 2014. Okay, right. And then all of a sudden, and then it was I forget the reasoning with that. You know, I forget. And I'm like, y'all the defending champs. What are you talking about? <laughs> y'all the higher seed, the better team. What are you talking about? So. For every Kentucky victory, and it doesn't matter what it is, uh, volleyball or whatever, it's always something. It's never straight up Kentucky is better. And the numbers don't bear that out. It's like, look, man, Louisville has had, especially men's basketball, they've had Hall of Fame coaches. Denny Crum, who I say, and I know you see me on Twitter, I say it often, criminally underrated. Criminally underrated. Two titles, six Final Fours, owned the decade of the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Louisville was the coolest program in the country. The Doctors of Dunk, are you kidding me? The 1983 semifinal, Houston versus Louisville, was like 20 dunks apiece. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I got to find that and watch that. I'm glad they talked about it on the Five Slam Jamma documentary. Because my brother talked, he loved that game. He basically like, look, they just turned into a playground and it was just dunks. It, it, it was just, he's like, it was just dudes just taking it to the basket. When you got Hakeem and you got Clyde Drexler going to the basket on that side and you got the McCray brothers on Louisville side, oh, he's like, it's on. It, it was just, hey, give me the ball, I'm going to the hoop. Give, give me a pick, I'm going to the hoop. You know, it wasn't no three-point shot, wasn't no two-hand, like, we, everything is going to the rim. So, you get Denny Crump, you get Rick Pitino, and I'm going to give Rick his props, right? He's a great coach. Yep. But all those accolades and none of them could consistently beat Kentucky. That That's a thing. Because, and I say this all the time, whenever Kentucky and Louisville play, for the most part, if you just had all the players, all 20 guys on both teams stand there, and you're picking up a team, you usually don't. You usually would not pick any of the Louisville players. They may be like the third or fourth pick. That's usually the way it works out, right? If you just look at the talent, there's just a difference in talent. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, Cal's not a great coach. Well, he, he got Anthony Davis on campus, so give him his props, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he got Carl Anthony Towns on campus. Exactly. Right? Yep. You know, uh, you know, Rick Pitino. Uh, it, it doesn't help. To, to beat Louisville by 20 if you got Tony Duck on the roster? Yeah. Does it, <laughs> <laughs> does it help to have Antoine Walker? Certainly. Does it, <laughs> you know, does it help to have Derek Anderson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all know Derek loved playing against Louisville. Yeah. Loved playing against Louisville. <laughs> Somewhere he was talking to somebody where he breaks down that dunk on Nate Johnson where he gets like parallel to the ground. Yeah. That dunk and it is I, I need to find that because it is just he's like I sized him up I knew it was coming and just jammed on him just jammed on him but anyway it, it's always something and that sheriff it's it's always uh, I forget one year for football it was like uh, he said there was a helicopter that was doing something and I'm like what are you talking about 
Like it is really some conspiracy stuff that that dude comes up with when Kentucky beats Louisville. It's it's never Anthony Davis is just a freak, or you know it's ne- it's never just that. It's mm-hmm. always something. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be the first person to say when Kentucky loses, they lose. Ain't no cheap. I, I'm never. I mean the refs are terrible. I'll give you that, and I do, and I do say when refs made a bad call, okay. But I've never been like, man, the refs screwed us. No, mm-hmm. no, yeah. they don't. They make bad calls, sure, but no, they didn't screw Kentucky. Nope. I, I don't. You know, even you know the 2015 Final Four, they missed the shot clock violation. But the point is, you know, I look the the, the that Wisconsin team had NBA dudes on it. Like it wasn't that's that that's my one thing about that 2015 team is trying to pretend folks try to pretend that Wisconsin was just some doo-doo team. Right. When you look at Ken Palm and all those metrics, and in 2015, of course, Kentucky, Duke, Wisconsin, and everybody else, but those numbers that those three teams put out are still some of the best that we've seen over the last decade or so. Those three teams are three of the best in the last 20 years. Just so happened, they're all in the same year. So, (laughs) please stop. Oh, you know, little bitty Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin is usually trash, okay? Mm -hmm. But that year, they they had some dudes. They had some collegiate dudes. So stop like, oh, how'd you lose to Wisconsin? Like, Wisconsin was good. They were. So there you go. They were. I got to backtrack to this one more thing. I, I had it to talk about last week because like everybody watches Netflix, especially with the, you know, when the pandemic was really. I was watching Netflix. I don't know if you saw it or not, but Kevin James is supposed to be playing Sean Payton. In a movie about back when the year Sean Payton was suspended because of Bounty Gate. And the Jets, Falcons, and Saints Twitter that was going on last week when this was announced was hilarious. Uh, I think the, <laughs> the Falcons photoshopped a picture of Sean Payton's head onto Paul Blart Malkoff's body. Um, the Saints came back where well, it's, it's always fun just consistently beating on both the Falcons which that's a huge rivalry anyway Saints-Falcons the Jets tried to jump in I don't know why but they had like the King of Queens with you know Kevin James being a Jets fan and something about Broadway or whatever but I just thought that was I don't know odd uh, it's a movie about the Bounty Gate about the year he's not coaching and you got Kevin James who's a good actor and funny stand up and all that but <laughs> Kevin James is playing John Payton so I just thought that was that was hilarious uh, look I've never been a Kevin James fan probably the the thing I've enjoyed him in the most was Hitch yeah Albert Brenneman uh, yeah with the whole Q-tip dancing and you know Will Smith <laughs> don't ever do that again I loved him there but, you know, King of Queens, uh, some of his other stuff. He's got like a NASCAR TV show on Netflix now. Uh, look, I respect the game. You know, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and the zoo. Uh, my girls love the Mall Paul Blart movies. They, they think that's hysterical. 
not my thing, right? Uh, so I don't know. It just, it, I I don't know. It, it you know, the whole bounty gate thing still is weird. Yeah. Uh, like all that stuff, you you forget how weird the NFL quote unquote justice system really is. Like uh, that secret base that used to be SB Nation on YouTube had a beef, which I love. They do these little videos. They had beef, Eric Mangini and Bill Belichick. I forgot that Eric Mangini was the one that went to the NFL about Spygate. Mm. I I completely had forgotten about that aspect of it, and that's why they don't talk no more. But <laughs> uh, but just how the NFL investigated that and. Then they destroyed the tapes. And that was weird. Then Bounty Gate happened, and we never really got a clear, you know, we never got a clear message on exactly what was going on. Like it just, a lot of weird stuff was going on at that at that time. So I don't know what kind of movie you're gonna make about what Sean Payton was doing during that year. Like yes. I, yeah, I, sitting at home or whatever, playing golf, whatever he did. But, but and that's one of those things, like. Okay, a lot of these movies, I can see where there might be some interest. You know, if you're doing a, a biographical movie on, you know, a president or or just if you're just doing a Sean Payton movie on his life coach of the Saints, you know, because he was the coach for the Saints. Uh, you know, Katrina hit and he was, you know, he brought the the Saints. Like, okay, that to me is interesting. Right? Yeah. Talk yeah. about you know from Katrina to the Super Bowl. That to me is an interesting thing because we talk about moments in sports and that first Monday night game back oh. in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, you know, goosebumps, right? But yep. if you're going to make a movie about an NFL coach and he's not coaching in the NFL, who's that appealing to? NFL fans aren't like, you know, it, it would be. Uh, give me, you know, Jimmy Johnson's life story, but he's not coaching football. Like, I'm sure it's a yeah. great story, but the only reason I know who Jimmy Johnson is because he coaches football. Yeah. That's my whole thing is if you're going to tell this story, like, that, don't give me the least interesting part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see Sean Payton take his kids to school. Right. I'm sure he's great. I don't want to see yeah. him take his wife to dinner uh-huh. or go golf. Like, so I, I saw that I don't know is it supposed to be a comedy like I don't, I don't know. it's like, weird it's weird I don't I saw that and I said and I'm a movie guy but you get like there's nothing calling out to me to even check that check that out yeah exactly you know it's like there was a movie for I'm trying to remember now um uh, it was a. Uh, Oh, it, it was. It's Anthony. Da- not Anthony Davis. I got it. <laughs> wow, not Anthony. But uh, oh, you, uh, man, I'm drawing a blank now. You know, uh, he was Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, Anthony okay. Hopkins. He did a movie where he was uh, Pablo Picasso, but it, it was during the time period where he didn't paint. <laughs> and so I'm like, who? There's a precedent. We've already had a precedent for this type of thing already. Yeah, and I'm like, but who is this for? <laughs> like, if I'm going to watch something on Picasso, 
you know, come on, man. Like, you're going to give me the Vincent Van Gogh story and not cover his ear. <laughs> or you're going to give me Abraham Lincoln, but not in the Civil War. Like, not mention it. It's like, you know, that, that's the problem with some of these movies, these prequels. Like, do you want to see how the characters got here? Not particularly. I don't need this backstory. You know, Star Wars, which I loved as a kid, but has ballooned into something. I don't even watch the movies anymore. Wow. Because, you know, they gave me a Han Solo movie. I never cared how Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon. It never... You know, you might as well have a Jaws movie where Jaws is being born. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> how do you get to that point? You know, uh, some of these stories don't need to be told. That was the downside to the Star Wars prequels. Do you want to see how Darth Vader became Darth Vader? I do not. <laughs> I don't need cute, cuddly kid Darth Vader. Because the entire time I'm back in my mind, I'm like, this cute kid grows up to be the most iconic villain in movie history. I don't care about how he grew up. No, I don't. Don't give me that. Let me get off my. But I saw that movie. I was like, so is it a comedy or what yeah. is it? Yeah, I just like he's just a football coach. This isn't even like, oh, here's JFK before he became president. Okay, I'd watch that maybe. Yeah. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And of all the NFL coaches, Sean Payton. All I know is he wears a visor. And he yeah. talks to uh, Drew Brees. He's not, <laughs> as far as NFL coaches go, he's not even a personality. True, that's give, true. Give me a Jerry Glanville movie. Yeah. Give me yeah. a uh, uh, Buddy Ryan movie. I will watch that. <laughs> right. <laughs> give, me, give me a Bump Phillips movie. Yeah. I'll watch that. Right. Yeah. Uh, or Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. Right. Mm-hmm. Give me. <laughs> You know, give me that. I'll watch those coach movies. Yeah, Bill Cowher or something. Yeah, or, yeah. or, or something. Or uh, Here's Don Shula. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah. I'm like, I'm sure Sean Payton is nice, but I've never actually thought, what does Sean Payton do when he's not on the field? Uh-huh. Never in my mind. Yeah, yeah, nothing just makes you gravitate to him. No! <laughs> for sure, for sure. So- yeah. But that caught my eye, so I was like, you know, you being a movie guy, I said, we got to at least kick this around on the show for a few minutes and, <laughs> and try to get to the bottom of it if there is a bottom or if there and, is a point and, or whatever. And 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 with and here's the thing, too, with movies being everywhere, right? You go streaming, and every streaming service, yeah, there's the blockbusters, but if you go, like, really dig deep, there's a lot of stuff you're like, what? And, you know, and it's, it'll be some named people. Like, there's a movie... I was scrolling and had Morgan Freeman and Tommy Lee Jones and somebody else. And I'm like, what is this? You know, Ooh. there's some hidden gems, but you've got to give people a reason to want to watch this movie. Yeah. And I did see on uh, Netflix the other day, I was flipping through and I saw something called The Last Blockbuster, like about the, the store. And that kind of caught my eye. So, I, you know, because just a few short years ago, you know, kids, we used to have to go to Blockbuster. I worked at Blockbuster. Rent movies. See, that's, I want to, I think I'm going to watch that one. Yeah, that... I, I, wor- I worked at Blockbuster <laughs> uh, back in 1997. I worked Blockbuster for a summer. And uh, trying to explain how Blockbuster worked to your kids, that's the thing. You know, you remember when our parents used to talk about how the milkman used to leave milk and all this other stuff that you're like, 
that sounds terrible. Like they used to just deliver a block of ice for the ice box. That's why yep. it was an ice box. And you're like, what in the world? Like my dad's talking about having to haul coal for the coal stove. And I'm like, this sounds like caveman times. I'm telling you, try explaining stuff to your kids. And it sounds ridiculous. Like you had to go to a store to watch a movie? Yeah. And you had to pay every time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just one movie at a time? Yeah. Uh-huh. You had to rewind it and put it back and drop it up. Yeah. Man, mm-hmm. my, my job at Blockbuster was <laughs> I had to go, you know, people would drop them off. I had to go to the bin. And part of it was I had to rewind all of them. We had one of those fancy rewinders. And, you know, when a new movie would come out, Friday night, Blockbuster was hopping. Blockbuster was a place to be, man. Uh And people would drop off movies. And as soon as I would get a big stack of them, people would be like, oh, who's that got such, 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 such in it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the big movie. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Oh, wow. Was the big movie. (laughs) And Jerry Maguire was the big one at that time. And just, oh, man. Yeah, I worked at a couple of different blockbusters around town. And it just... But there was always... Those one movie, those movies, there would just be one. There would, and, and that's what happens when you start looking at your streaming services and you go dive in a little bit deeper and you're like, "These got this has got people I've heard of in it. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, I see why, is it, why it wasn't at the movie theater. This mm-hmm. isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah but, but Blockbuster is one of those things trying to explain it is like your parents talking about going to a soda fountain or anything. like kids don't have a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. They, they, they really don't. Or try explaining like an encyclopedia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, because I'm, I'm telling my kids now to ask somebody, hey, I said, ask Siri or, or Google it. Because I used to have to look it up. So that's what I'm having you do. And you'll stick with you and you'll remember it better instead of me just telling you what the definition of blah, blah, blah is. Google it and look it up and read it, and you know. So yeah, but yeah, we had to go get a dictionary. Me and your mom had to go get a dictionary yeah. and find that word. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 think about all the computer stuff. Like they don't know; they just think that is the same icon. They don't know that's a floppy disk. Mm-hmm. You know, a different thing. Like they just have a concept. Because nope. uh, little miss, I gotta stop saying little miss because you see the pictures. She's another yeah. big miss. Yo. Uh, like, why do I say roll your windows down? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, or, you know, take some video. You know, like, why do we say those things? Like, because you actually had to roll the window down. Mm-hmm. You know, things are just things are just different. But all, you know, uh, I tweeted this out, too. I remember we got one of those Apple IIe computers way back when. Mm-hmm. And trying to show my dad how to do something, and how he just got frustrated. He was over it, right? Yeah. Over it. Oh. And just the other day, I'm hanging out with uh, my youngest. Again, I gotta stop saying little miss. And she's trying to show me some app I needed on my phone, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't care about this. Yep. And I was like, it's a circle of life. I'm telling you, boy, it's a, it's, it's a circle of life, man. Mm-hmm. My dad videotapes everything back when camcorders was i mean he would have a camcorder attached to his eye and you know get together family reunion and he was he was videotaping everybody <laughs> you look up and you know you're gonna be on camera whenever he can oh here come to have the camera oh that's just that's just how he was and there was a, a, a reunion 
bunch of my parents' siblings on each side came to visit. And dad was videoing. And it was, I'm probably, I'm probably 17. It's, this is 90, mid-90s. He's videoing my mom's parents and his parents. And so that would put him in his 40s. He's like early 40s if I'm 17. And as he's videoing, he's just kind of talking to himself under his breath. And he said, I, you know, it's not going to be long that I'm I'm going to be where they are. You know, being retired in your 60s, late 60s. And I just heard him say it. And now here I am in my early 40s. And there he is, at like, you know, in his late 60s, circle of life, like you said. You know, and now I'm where he was when he was saying he's gonna be where they were. You, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it it, it is a circle of life. You know, you know. Uh, uh, anyway, we've gone down, <laughs> we've gone down this this rabbit hole. But I was trying to explain this concept to to young kids, to some not young kids, but you know, folks in their 20s talk about what Steph Curry's done to the basketball game, mm-hmm. and how. You know, because I think the debate was who had more of an impact, you know, LeBron or or Steph Curry. And I think, to me, LeBron had a greater impact on the league. Because, you know, it's basically if you've got LeBron over the last decade, your team goes to the finals. That's his impact as a player. His impact is on player movement. What Steph has done is you watch any level of basketball and you got people at all levels of basketball pulling up from the logo. And what was once a bad shot, like Paul George said about Dave, (laughs) is a a part of it. Now, is it a shot for everybody? No. But we've never had a player where you had to start guarding him two steps past half court. Mm-hmm. And with the three-pointer becoming such a deadly weapon, again, I was telling this kid, and I say kid, must have been in his 20s, uh, I remember when the three-point shot came into college basketball. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, ESPN wasn't a thing, but I remember like in the, you know, with the barbershop and, and my dad's, th- you know, my dad and my uncle's like, this is bad for the game. Bad for the game. You know, because in back-to-back years, college basketball got the shot clock in 86, the three-point line in 87. And that was one of those things. It was going to ruin the game. It was going to ruin it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to see in, my, in just our lifetime, and not even in our lifetime, but from the time we can remember basketball, I was like, I remember games without a three-point line on the court. Like, yep. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And to see what has happened with the three-point shot in a very short time. Right? The game is just mm-hmm. different. It's like, uh, we talked about, I think last week, about fullbacks in NFL. Uh, there's what, maybe three in the NFL now? Yeah. And, and every team used to have two? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, you, you see how the game has changed and, and things are different. The only saving grace for us is you can go on YouTube and you can see these games, right? Like we couldn't see Jim Brown at his Jim Brown peak, right? 
we couldn't see Gale Sayers at his peak, you know. Uh, but you can get whole games, and you could watch Emmitt Smith do his thing. You know that that game against the Giants, where he had a separated shoulder. Like you could watch that thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the difference. But you know the games just changed. Yeah. You know, Steph is balling out. Will he be MVP? I I don't know. I don't know who you're going to give the MVP to this year. Oh, NB got hurt. I think they kind of took him out. And and and, and LeBron got hurt. And 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 Jokic, I don't. His numbers and usage rates and all that kind of stuff is high, but I just don't know if voters are going to love Jokic. You know, I will say this when it comes to the NBA MVP, it's probably more political than any of the other MVP awards. Because what happens is there's burnout, right? Even though a dude may be the best, LeBron was a victim of it, uh, Jordan was a victim of it, uh, Kareem was a victim of it. Dudes are like, you know, the voters like, look, you've won two or three, like, it's got to be somebody else. Right. And, you know, and when Carl Malone lost the MVP, or won the MVP, I guess in 97, I was like, oh, Jordan, they're going to win now. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I took that personally. <laughs> when we on the we we started talking about you know all your facts that you throw at Tennessee fans, so we we're not recruiting guys, but we just got to acknowledge the the role that Kentucky football was on over the weekend. You had the Wade twins, Keaton and Destin Wade, from down here in Tennessee, right outside of Nashville, uh, outside linebacker and an athlete. He was played quarterback. Both were the twins. Picked the Cats. Then the big offensive tackle, Keontae Goodwin from right outside Louisville. I think he's in Indiana right now, but from Louisville. Picked Kentucky. So you had three, like basically top 300 recruits pick Kentucky in one weekend. That never happens. But just Yahtzee's all over the place. For Mark Stoops and the Big Dog and Kentucky football, so and and from Louisville, you get them out of Louisville and you get them out of Tennessee. So I mean, love to see it. I mean, that's that's a win. That's a win, right? That's that's a that's a a, a good thing. Uh, that's part of the problem with uh, Satterfield is he's not making any inroads with the in-state kids or the in-city kids. <laughs> oh, that, huh. that's that's the thing is uh, when when Kentucky can come into Louisville. And walk out with dudes. That's a problem. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just one or two, but like class after class after class. And see, that's what did Bobby Petrino in the second term. He burned so many bridges the first time with high school play- coaches and stuff. They don't want to be fooled with him the next time. Right. And so, yeah, you get Lamar Jackson. And I don't know what Bobby Petrino is getting paid. He needs to just cut Lamar Jackson a check. When you look at how bad things were in Louisville, Lamar covered up a lot of sins. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, to, to put a bow on this show, go Cats in the Final Four uh, for volleyball. Let's let's bring it. Let's bring another title home. That's let's, right. let's let's do that. You're in it to win it, baby. That's right. It's gonna be fun tomorrow for sure. 
And appreciate you, man, all the knowledge and all the insight. We'll have guests again. Sometimes it's just two of us, but appreciate everybody that listens. And it's been another fun episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Check us out on BS3 Radio. And we'll be doing it again next week, y'all. Absolutely. Thank you for everything you do on the flip side. All right. Stay warm and, and stay safe till next week, man. Absolutely. <laughs>